The Jen, Gabe and Chewy podcast is sponsored by Celsius Energy Drink, and I am here to tell you it makes a huge difference in my mornings. With a unique blend of essential energy and key vitamins, Celsius is your partner to an active lifestyle. My favorite, the peach vibe. Learn more at Celsius.com and pick up Celsius Energy Drinks today. Sometimes reading from the ESPN Milwaukee talk and text line is dangerous. Similarly with our YouTube stream. You can always stream the show on YouTube. But our friend Dennis, who weighs in pretty regularly, was talking about how he will listen to a few Brewers games with Euchre on the call. Right? We were talking about the Brewers earlier and Corbin Burns and how they've dealt him, etc., etc. And Dennis follows that up with a line that says, He died. I thought he meant Euchre. Okay? I thought maybe I missed some breaking news on Bob Euchre passing away. Dennis was talking about the groundhog at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Okay? There it is. Thank you. Which is why they have pivoted to the penguins, which is why we were talking about that. And then, of course, Chewy wondering if we could use a jackalope instead of the groundhog, to which Joshy informed him, sadly... The jackalope is fake. Well, we've got some evidence here. Evidence. Or a claim. There. From somebody in the listening audience. Do we want to go to Randy in his dump truck? Let's go to Randy in his dump truck. Good morning, Randy. You got some jackalope news? Yes. I was playing softball, and I was coming home about 1.30 in the morning, and it jumped out. One jumped out in front of me, and I hit it. A jackalope? They are real. I told you. A jackalope. Well, time out. You hit it. Did you get out of your car and throw it in the back of the dump truck? No, there wasn't much left. But the real question I have, I figured I'd call three of the smartest people I know. (laughs) Mr. Chimura, how do you pronounce the capital of Kentucky? Is it Louisville or Louisville? Louisville. 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 Yeah. You got to roll through the middle. If you say right? Louisville to people from Louisville, they will look at you strange and call you a moron. Well, it's like it's like New Orleans. It's New one Orleans. word. Also, how 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 seriously are we taking the one thirty on the way home from a softball game claim? <laughs> well, he obviously went to the bars after the <laughs> softball game. Clearly. Unless it went, maybe it went extra innings, Joshy. I don't know. Who could have? I'm more concerned that we're the three smartest people he knows. Well, (laughs) hold on. Now, they figured out what the Loch Ness Monster is. It's a prehistoric fish where they have, listen to me, where they have washed up on shore and they have a picture of it. And they think that's the Loch Ness Monster. And it all makes sense now. We got to keep you away from the internet. We just have to. I'm I just telling assume, you. I just assumed that natural selection was doing that. To be honest. There's stuff in the ocean that we don't even know yeah, about. A million percent, absolutely, yes. But you think the lock, a contained area that has this prehistoric animal that exists nowhere else and has just lived for now like hundreds of years? Yes. Thousands of years? Well, where do you stand on Sasquatch? Or whatever they call Sasquatch, it. Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't believe it exists because I find it hard to believe an eight-foot thing that can I, snap have, trees I, is just walking around out there. Have you seen the video of the two guys driving in Russia? <laughs> telling you, watch that. And it's not fake. It can't be fake. <laughs> 
I'm camping. Oh, oh, yeah, just like those Taylor Swift pictures that were roaming the internet Whoa, the last few hell. days, right? Can't be fake. Can't be fake. Um, should we get back to some serious yeah, stuff here? Sure. I'm going to post a poll, though. Which, which, which animal do you believe actually exists here? Jackalope, Sasquatch, or the Loch Ness Monster? Wait, so you have to pick one of them? Yeah. Can you put none of them? No, you have to. If if one exists, which one are you picking? If one of these exists, which one is it? Based J- upon the video I saw, I'm going big. Can one. I be honest with you? I'm looking at some pictures of jackalopes right now. They're actually quite adorable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but but just so you know, everything says a <laughs> mythical animal. Okay, mythical, <laughs> mythical. Oh gosh, somebody weighed in saying actually Frankfurt is the capital of Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> they go for the smartest people. <laughs> oh, we should take a break. We should, we, should really bow, we should really bow out gracefully right now. But we will continue. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about a little Packard? You want to talk about Brewers? You want to talk about something else? Jackalopes? Um, let's talk about the 4 3 because I don't think they have the personnel to do it. Okay, right now. very and good I question. Don't, I don't really. I mean, I love Preston Smith, but the only reason I want Preston Smith back is um, for a leader in the locker room. I just don't think he he doesn't fit the 4-3. He's old. He doesn't create enough pressure. Uh, he's not very good against the run. Um, the problem with the 4-3 as opposed to the 3-4 is when you're a D-end, you have to be able to take on a double team. And I don't think he can do it. I don't think he's fast enough. I just think from an age standpoint. Now, like I said, if you're going to bring him back, bring him him back for the locker room. But he's got to just be a spot player. How much of an overhaul then, Chu, do you think this defense needs? I think it's a little bigger than we think. Okay, so then it it has to be in shifts. Right, because you can't do it all in one fell no, swoop. No, you can't do it all in one. But here's the thing, Jen. When when you have some of those interior D linemen, if you are going to a predominant four three, have to go. They got to go. You have no need for them. Seems like they think they'll be able to try to make it work. Uh, yeah, the, the, eventually they can make it work, but it, it's going to be a process. You don't um, think they they think they can go ahead with Rashawn Gary and uh, LVN and kind of Preston Smith be like a rotational he could be. sub package guy. He could be. It's just uh, I I don't know. I mean, can can Rashawn Gary play with his hand down on the ground all the time? I mean, that's, that's where he what came. Threes do. Yeah, that's where he came from at Michigan. That's what he was doing. Yeah, but he was also less successful in Michigan. They do play a different style, where it's a keep things in front of you. What's yeah. that noise? What's that noise? What's digitizing? Are we being taken Something over by creatures? That's uh, a jackalope. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the duck system. Can you hear that? There's like a buzzing. Like yeah, a, I did like hear a, that. Beep, 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 beep. Somebody's trying but to it, communicate with aliens. you, Chew. <laughs> but it, but it will take time. I just know if I, if. God, back in the day, if I had a, a, a player like Preston Smith and he's got 500 pounds of beef coming down on him, I don't see him holding up. Okay, so Bill Huber did do some of this work for us because obviously the minute that Jeff Halfley was hired, people were wondering if this was going to be a reality. They were going to switch to a 4-3. So he did go through and list who the players would be at each position. Chew, you want me to rattle them off for yes. you? Defensive end, he's got Rashawn Gary and Brenton Cox. 
At defensive tackle, he's got Kenny Clark, Carl Brooks, and Colby Wooden. At defensive tackle, he's got TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt. At the other defensive end, he's got Preston Smith and Lucas Van Ness. At outside linebacker, that's just up front. Yeah. At outside linebacker, he's got Isaiah McDuffie, who I believe, did Isaiah McDuffie play for Halfley? Was that the connection there? I think yeah. that, at Boston at College. At Boston College, yes. Yeah. Okay. Middle linebacker, he's got Quay Walker, which actually kind of excites me. Like the idea of Quay Walker working in that space. Outside linebacker Devondre Campbell, who again we have talked about not knowing if Devondre Campbell will be on the roster going forward. So that's a bit of a wild card. Cornerback Jair, um, and then cornerback Carrington Valentine. And don't forget you've got Eric Stokes. And then they have slot question mark. Safety Anthony Johnson, safety Benny Sapp, and Zane Anderson. Got so that. those are all the guys yeah. they currently have and where they would slot in if it we did go to a four three. But even linebackers, because when you're in a 4-3, typically, if you look at um, Tampa Bay, right, all their linebackers are runners. So typically back in the day, in a 4-3, your bigger linebacker, who's called the buck linebacker, goes to the tight end. He's a bigger guy. And then your middle's a little smaller, and then your weak side linebacker is your runner. I don't know if they have a runner. Quay Quay, uh, Walker is a big guy. So, yes, I see him. I don't see him as a weak side. In the athleticism. In the athleticism. And he has probably the size to take on uh, tackles and tight ends. Huber also mentions that at Bowling Green, Carl Brooks frequently played on the edge. After an impact rookie season as a defensive tackle, the Packers could consider using the 6'3", 296-pounder in multiple roles. And we liked what we saw from Carl Brooks yeah. this season, especially yeah. as the season went on and that defense started to uh, figure some things out. The, the problem is, and I said it yesterday, your 3-4 is actually better against the run. Your 4-3 is not as good. It's not as stout. Uh, and this team is terrible against the run when it was a 3-4. So, I mean, it's more of a rededication by um, Rashawn Gary. You you can't just rush the passer. You have to be stout against the run. So typically what they want in a 4-3 gen is your DNs and interior guys being able to be stout against a double team and let your linebackers make plays. And this is all schematic, which is obviously certainly important, and it is what what Goody and company are going to have to worry about over the next few weeks or so as they prepare for the NFL draft. Didn't Goody say, though, and I think Jason mentioned it in the first hour of the show, that they weren't going to completely reinvent when they look for talent this year in the draft and potentially elsewhere, that they weren't going to specifically just try to cater to what Halfley has done? Joshie, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, and that was where the nickel conversation came up, where they said, to put it in simple terms, the team is going to prioritize prioritize their nickel and sub packages more than they will a base defense just because you play that nickel so much. And I think, maybe rightly so, they believe they can get through or have a decent enough base as is with a few additional pieces. Now, Todd, Todd is asking on the YouTube stream, too, and I think this is a good question. Isn't it more of a four-two-five? Yeah. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, and then your, instead of a four-three, and then your nickel typically replaces your your weak side running linebacker. That's how it works. But I mean, you just look at the safety play. That's going to need. But again, like we were talking about yesterday with Pete Thamel when he joined the show, like people don't draft safeties with high spots. This is a weak safety class. 
So, the, I mean, that's where I was thinking, do they need to go out and get a free agent safety? And I know we were talking about Buda Baker. And I know we were talking about Antoine Winfield. But is that where you fill that need? Or do you hope that maybe later on in the draft you get a guy who... I don't know, exceeds all expectations. Uh, you need someone to play now. I just, I have no, after watching that San Francisco uh, tape, I have no confidence in, because he showed what he can't do. Darnell Savage came uh, Thank up. you. I was wondering was, who you were talking about. Yeah, Darnell Savage was the first man up in the box because everyone was accounted for and whiffed on McCaffrey, which went for 45 yards. And then, I think it was later in the game, he's man-to-man, on Kittle stops his feet and Kittle burns him for a touchdown. So I just have zero confidence there. But I, I, you know, they have the the ammo to trade via the draft if they want to go get one of those guys. That that that's a position that just needs to be upgraded and it just has to be addressed, right? Like we were joking yeah. yesterday. If you want to place your bets, the Packers will certainly be obtaining a safety this off season. Uh, I did get a chance to talk to Ryan Day yesterday. Ryan Day, who is the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ryan Day, who employed Jeff Halfley back in 2019 when Halfley was his defensive coordinator. Just asking him, like, hey, what do you think of this guy? Like, what should Packers fans expect? And I want to give you a little snippet of what Ryan Day told me yesterday. He said he is an excellent coach. He's a really good teacher. Players respect him because he is always giving them an edge either schematically or technically. He is someone that will listen to his players and listen to assistant coaches to collaborate on what is best for the team. Don't have any specific stories off the top of my head, but if I come up with one or two, I will send them your way. He said, if fans want to see the Jeff Halfley offense, just go back and look at, not necessarily that 2019 Ohio State team, but go back and look at the 2018 49ers defense because that's what he was running at Ohio State and will likely be bringing a version of that to Green Bay. So there's your homework for this weekend, Packers fans. Go back and watch that 2018 49ers defense if you want to see what Halfley plans on running most likely here in Green Bay. Like a good coach will will take a player's input. And I I don't know, did you guys hear the rumblings in Miami that a lot of the players were upset with how Fangio goes about coaching. These hard-headed coaches, and I think Joe Barry was a little bit of that early on, and he probably softened a little bit this year, but this my way of the highway stuff, it just doesn't work. I mean, even with Holmgren, I'd come off the field and stuff, he'd go, what do you like? You know, what do you like? Because the, cause the players are out the uh, out there on the field, and they're the ones doing it. And it sounds like Halfley's that kind of guy, which which I like. You know, I t- players love loving their coach. They just do. They love when they love their coach, and it sounds like this is the kind of guy um, that's going to have that. And well, and that's that a chicken or the egg thing, players. right? But yeah. that's a chicken or the egg, right? You love yeah. your coach when you're winning. When you're winning, maybe you love. You know what I mean? Like there's a. Sure. It's it's cyclical, but I do think that yeah, everything we've heard about Halfley so far is that he's a guy that guys like playing for. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he's had success with his scheme. I have also heard people say, don't look specifically at what he did at Boston College or what Boston College's defense did, because he didn't have his hands implicitly, his fingerprints all over that defense. He was more occupied with just the overall being a head coach. So I do think there is value in going back and looking at that 2019 Ohio State defense and the 2018 
49ers defense that was um, under Robert Sala as well. Hey guys, can I tell you about my friends over at Potawatomi Casino Hotel? It is in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. It is one of my favorite spots to spend a weekend evening. There's a table waiting for you, 12 bars and restaurants, a winning seat at 40 table games, 3,000 slot machines, plus the thrill of bingo, full service sports betting, and so much more. And I'm telling you, in these cold days when you're looking for a spot to hang out with your friends, there's nothing better than Potawatomi Casino Hotel. If you're ready to spark something new and light up your senses, go to Potawatomi Casino Hotel this weekend. You can explore more of their options at their website, PaysBig.com, PaysBig.com. You are listening to Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. I don't know which is which, but here's what I do. Yes, all right. I take the plus and I put it to the plus. I take the minus and I put it to the minus. Yeah, but the jacker things don't have the... Yeah, they do. Where? On the handles. What's mm-hmm. a jacker thing? Is it something that your wife keeps in the <laughs> he drawer? He meant jumper cables. <laughs> On 94.5 ESPN. To say, put the past away. I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. You could cut ties with all the lies that you've been living in. Getting back to the story that broke last night. The Brewers are dealing Corbin Burns to the Orioles. Getting some pieces back. Question for a lot of people was, was it enough pieces? Did the Packer, Packers, whoop, see, back and forth, back and forth. Packers, Brewers, Brewers, Packers. A little bit of bucks. Uh, did the Brewers get enough back for Corbin Burns? And the people were saying, well, obviously he was a former Cy Young winner. And should they have been able to get more assets back? And then there's also people who are like, we shouldn't have traded him. He should have stayed on the roster. We need him in order to win games. Chu, are you confident that the Brewers can win games this season, win a lot of games this season without having Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns? No. I would put the win total under over ah, 78-80-ish. Um, I mean, you're, 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 you just lost a lot of wins from your one and two um, guys in the rotation. Um, but that's fine. I mean, my question is, is – is Ananasio going to continue to get heat? Yes. Even for this. I mean, is it is it going to be a Herb Cole type thing where people were screaming for him to sell the team? Do you think it'll ever get to that point? I mean, baseball's unfair, right? We can all agree on that. With Meaning big market, small market. Cap? Yes. Yes, it's just unfair. So it, a lot of the blame placed on um, Ananasio is not warranted. He's just up against it. But some of the things he does clearly upsets the fans. Like his investing in, I don't know, what did he do, a golf league or something like that? Yes. So I don't know. But they're one of those teams that have to rebuild every every so often. This is going to be one of those years, and I'm fine with it. You have to trust Matt Arnold. Uh, and if anything, we should learn of the way we treated Goody. That's that's fair. I think that's very fair. There was a lot of skepticism about Goody's ability to yes. put together a winning team. And, and to be fair, you know, we keep pointing back at the Razul Douglas thing. Jason is thoroughly convinced that they don't trade Razul Douglas if they genuinely thought that this sucker was going to take off the way that it did, right? Like, you keep a guy like that around, um, but they were kind of in a position where they thought it was a rebuilding season. Um, I guess I'm torn on whether or not it is a rebuilding year because of the standard that we usually have to exist in as Brewers fans. Like, I genuinely believe they have overperformed over the last five years, 
because the chips and the deck is always stacked against them. So I know that fans got fatigued with just getting to the playoffs. And the expectation was, it's not enough to get to the playoffs anymore. You need to go to the World mm-hmm. Series. You need to win a World Series. I get all of that. But, Chu, you can ign- not ignore the detail that you keep addressing, which is that baseball is unfair and the Brewers are always going to be one of the have-nots versus the haves. So when you when you consider that as as stinky as it is to know that that's the reality for your baseball team, it feels like they overperformed at every turn. Joshy, is that fair or unfair? I think it is fair, but I also think you underachieved with what you had. So we can we can factor in all the 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 salary cap not existing, the amount of money certain teams can invest. The the Brewers were near the top of. Uh, investment in their salary. It wasn't the top because the teams at the top are way ahead, but I mean, they made some bad moves. They had some bad things happen. Christian Yelich's lack of power going from an MVP to a guy who's hitting leadoff and not really consistently creating runs has been a big problem for the team. Uh, I do want to add here via Potawatomi Sportsbook, the team's over under for wins this year is 76 and a half. And the two make the playoffs or not, no is minus 435. So that would indicate they heavily believe this version of the Brewers as it stands is not a playoff. You think that's been updated since the Corbin Burns deal? I would imagine so, because this is something you can actively bet and you wouldn't let something stick out there. But was it ever World Series or bust? Because now looking forward, you look at the Packers, right? Next year. I mean, anything short of a Super Bowl is disappointing, right? Has it? Have the Brewers ever been? I mean, there was the one year, but it's just um, the goals seem to to change. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Here. The Bucks? No, but like the Bucks, we expect. Jen, you said it the other day. Uh, 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 Larry O'Brien or bust next year. Packers, Super Bowl or bust. I don't think it's ever been with the Brewers. Yeah, the the difference is, unless you're the Dodgers or one of the teams that's going to spend untold amounts of money, it's hard to be be championship or bust because one player can't make as big of a difference. Patrick Mahomes has taken his team to multiple Super Bowls, largely on his back alone. That happens in the NBA. Giannis did it. uh, LeBron's done it plenty of times. Like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are two of the best baseball players on earth. It doesn't really matter. You have to you have to be deeper and you have to be better. So what's the expectation for this year? So I mean, let- you lost your manager, one of the best, and you lost your one-two. Give me a realistic goal. Is it 80 games? Or are, are you happy with 80 games and not make the playoffs? I don't think so. No, I'm never happy with yeah, not I don't making think the so. playoffs. Let me yeah, just but you have to be off. realistic. Yeah, yeah and, and that's the thing. And I think that, again, we just don't know enough about some of the pieces that they did acquire. Like, I'm over here looking up uh, D.L. Hall, just trying to figure out a little bit more about this dude. See if he's where he's going to where he's gonna fit in this team. But I'm looking at a projected lineup right now for the Milwaukee Brewers, guys. And let me just rattle off what they have right now as a projected lineup on rotochamp.com. Christian Yelich leading off, William Contreras, Sal Freelich, Reese Hoskins, Willie Adamas, Garrett Mitchell, who we believe will be back from the injury and hopefully back to the form that he was showing us last year, Jackson Churio, who everyone is very excited about, Bryce Terang, and Andrew Monasario. 
That sounds pretty good on paper. Uh, who's their A player? Do they have an A player? The, the belief is that Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins and Garrett Mitchell, right? I, I don't know if you can... Jackson Churio for sure. Yes. He's he's supposed to be like the next superstar competing for MVPs type good. He's the second is, best prospect in all of baseball, and he's been in like the top 10 for multiple years. Is, is Peralta an A player? I th- think he is. Okay. I think he's that good. I mean, he was one of the best pitchers in the second half of baseball. We've seen him have ups and downs. If you he can get more consistent, there's no reason he can't be an ace. No, I agree. I mean, he's come a long way in the years he's been a brewer. It's just in order for them to be successful, your C's got to play like B's and your B's got to play like A's. Yeah, that, that's the big question remaining is, are these young guys going to be as good as Brewers fans hope they are? Because we saw Keston Hero light up the world when he first broke into the yeah. MLB, and now it turns out he's more like a 4A player, where he's really good in AAA, but he can't quite hack it in the MLB. I mean, is Joey Ortiz going to break the break the lineup? Will he be starting? I don't know enough about Joey Ortiz. Yeah, I mean, you. I don't think you prefer him over Willie Adamas. He doesn't have the pop Willie Adamas has. His fielding's definitely plus, but he could just be a utility infielder for the Brewers. Which, after you trade Corbin Burns, is that what you want? Doesn't feel like it. So, so Joshy Peralta's their one. Who's their two, three? It's prob- Wade Miley. Yeah, Wade Miley, and then wherever this Hall guy slots in. Right. If he does, that's another question. They don't know. He might end up being like a reliever because his control is not good enough to be able to be a starting pitcher. It's it's hard to tell right now. They have guys that can fill out. There's no shortage of pitchers within the Brewers. It's just who's going to emerge as the starting three, four, and five is all up in the air right now at this point. But I guess when we talk about confidence level... For whatever reason, maybe it's misplaced, Josh. You can tell me if you think it is. For whatever reason, I have confidence in Matt Arnold. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I, and I can't explain why. But to me, there is some value in him being able to get rid of that fifteen million dollars salary. I have confidence in in him the same way I do with, say, uh, David Stearns previously, where they're going to get the best out of guys that aren't the highest. Uh, regard or guys you wouldn't expect to be that good, the but they prob- are fighting with one arm behind their back, Correct. right? And you're giving him that nod. You're giving, you're understanding yes. that that is part of him doing his job. Is he's never going to be able to do the things that some of these other GMs do with teams with deeper pockets. Yeah, it, when it comes to talent acquisition and doing the like free agency for Matt Arnold has been not great. There's been some players brought in who have not performed, but when it comes to the young guys. And guys that maybe no one expected to be that good. Like, Willie Adamas wasn't thought to be what he proved to be. Now, last year was a down year for him, but he's overperformed what everyone expected going into it. It's Are you going to hit enough of those guys to carry this team through to be a contender and not a heavy favorite to not make the playoffs? Joshy, who are free agents that didn't hit? Uh, Jesse Winker is one that that Uh, stands out to a, a large degree. Okay. Um, there's been and like uh, the first base has been a disaster for the Brewers for a long time. They've brought in different guys. Some of them just don't work out. So there there has been uh, there has been guys that just don't end up being what they need to be. We're up against it here, but I actually do want to hear from Jeff Passan. Now Passan talked for a minute forty five on this one. I don't know that we can hear that one, but that's where he was talking about the question marks. But Brewers do draft well. Instead, let's listen to him talk about rebuilding the depth of this Brewers team. This is an example, in my opinion, Jeff, and we see teams, they they go all in in one direction, right? We're either 
buying up everybody and going for it or tearing it all down going for it? And the Brewers find themselves with one foot in each bucket right now. Yeah, the Brewers are trying to do what the Rays do, and that's not a surprise considering, you know, Matt Arnold spent time with the Rays organization and really, you know, he was in Cincinnati, he's bounced around a little bit and uh, sort of taken pieces of all these organizations he's been in, but his philosophy aligns most with what the Rays are doing, and that I think is uh, not just because the Rays are so damn successful at it, but because the, the payroll is limited in Milwaukee. I mean, the, you know, this is going to take the Brewers down into the 90-something million dollar range on opening day for 2024, which I think is a lot lower than, than Brewers fans were hoping for or wanting, and perhaps opens up the possibility that they can go back out and take the $16 million or so that Corbin Burns was going to make this year and uh, devote it to free agents. Lots of folks weighing in on our ESPN Milwaukee talk and text line, guys. Uh, Bill Wing and saying it's not just getting pieces back for the Brewers. It's also clearing the $15.6 million back in cap space. They can go out and use that extra money. Jason Wing and saying, I've been saying sell the team for years. I won't pay for a Brewers ticket anymore. Augie from Fredonia saying Ananasio will get a lot of heat, especially because of tax money going to the stadium. And Eli weighing in saying, I've been a Brewers fan my entire life. Unfortunately, I believe this year will be a tailgate year. Let us know your reaction to the Corbin Burns news as the morning goes on, 800-990-3776. we got to take a break here on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy, but let me tell you guys about one of the best purchases that I have made recently, and that is my Good Health Sauna from Good Health Saunas. Guys, saunas are huge when it comes to longevity and improving your quality of life. Why? Because it improves your recovery time. It improves your sleep. I've noticed my skin is better. Went to the hair salon last week and my stylist said, your hair is getting longer. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And I got to believe it is all part because of my good health sauna. The best thing about it, guys, it is basically maintenance-free. It has a true lifetime warranty. And because it's a local company, I am proud of supporting a company that is based out of Appleton and Waukesha. If you are in the market for a sauna in your home, maybe you're using the one at your gym, you're seeing the benefits of it, and you're thinking, man, if I could just have one of these at my disposal, it would be so much better. Go to their website, goodhealthsaunas.com. Goodhealthsaunas.com is where you can see the different infrared saunas that they have, and you can see if one works for you and your budget. Go to that website, goodhealthsaunas.com, goodhealthsaunas.com. Tell them Jen from Jen, Gabe, and Chewy sent you. It's Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Gabe, it'll change your life. Everything, every, any barbecue you eat for the rest of your life will be measured against Bucky. On 94.5 ESPN. We talked about this a little bit earlier with Craig Karmazin, and I want to circle back to it. Bit of a deadline on it. This Tony Snell situation to me is fascinating. Tony Snell, who obviously played for the Milwaukee Bucks and a handful of other teams in the NBA, is facing a situation that a lot of people are now getting behind. He has played nine years in the NBA. If you play 10 years in the NBA, you basically get vested into the NBA's lifelong health care insurance plan. Tony Snell last year was diagnosed at the age of 31 with autism. His two sons, ages three and two, are also on the autism spectrum. So there is this idea that if Tony Snell plays one more game or day or contract, however you want to phrase it, he would be vested into the NBA's 
lifelong health care insurance plan. And Chu, I understand what Craig was saying about how it's not the NBA's responsibility to take care of this. But the NBA does pride itself on being a player's league. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit surprised that this hasn't happened yet. That some team with a 10-day contract hasn't gone out and signed him just to put him and his family in a position of having that health care, that insurance policy for life. I I get it, but I would be interested to know how many other guys are seven games away or 14 games away or 22 games away. It's a very good point. Um, No, I I, I get it because, I mean, one game, one game. And my guess is someone will pick up on this story and say, hey, what the hell, assign them to a 10-day contract. I would think some team would do that. Um, But it's just the precedent you're setting now. So last night on, I believe it was inside the NBA, Charles Barkley also made an appeal to the league to sign Tony Snell to a contract to get this thing taken care of. Take a listen. I got an article yesterday. Tony Snell? Yeah. Yeah. Needing to be signed. By the end of this week, because he's got two kids with autism, and he needs to play to the end of the year to get a 10-year medical right to help him take care of his two autistic kids i'm hoping you know man the nba has been great to all of us sitting up here uh you know and you guys going to be playing basketball forever making gazillion dollars i hope one of you guys signed tony so his two autistic kids can get great medical care. I read that article. Or does the league just well, Adam Silver comes in and, and it makes an exception and he gets the he gets the. Well, what, what, but well, I mean, it, it's, it's only it's only forty games. So he can uh, make. But, 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 well, I'm just telling you, he. Yeah. They, they, That's they, an they, easier they, way. Well, no, I'm just saying. I, I hope a team signs yeah. him for the rest of the season because, you know, I don't know a lot about autism. I'm not gonna say that, but man, I know it's got to be expensive to have two young kids with that situation. So, I'm hoping the NBA. We always talk about what a family we are right let's let's sign that kid for the rest of the season why does it have to be within these 10 days if all he needs is one game why can't it be after the all-star break or am i missing the fact i think there's probably and i'm having trouble finding actual information on this because like i don't think people have reported on it in depth but it seems like you need a certain amount in a season to qualify for it to be a 10th season so the deadline seems to be he needs to basically be on a roster uh, on an NBA team. Yeah, and obviously for for injury purposes, the benchmark for the NFL, I think, is four years and two games to be vested. And my guess is there's probably a lot of guys out there that played four years and couldn't get into uh, a training camp or something like that. So, you know, it's unfortunate. And I think someone will step up because it's gaining so much traction. But it's just you're setting a precedent now because there's probably going to be someone, hey, I'm seven games short, I'm 14 games short. That's a great point. And I I think that it is important to consider that, right? I think it's important to consider the precedent that you set by making an exception to the rule or by doing basically what would be considered a charity case. Now, I want to be clear, Tony Snell is on a roster. He is working with the Boston Affiliate Club, Maine. It's not an NBA roster, but he is still in, I think I'm guessing that's the G League is that the G yes, League? Correct. Okay. So, um, and he is still playing well. It's not like he's just like 
gobbling up a spot on that roster. Um, but people have also been talking about the money is- issue and how much money Tony Snell has made over the course of his lengthy career. Obviously, mm-hmm. we've talked about it nine seasons and how he doesn't need you know, from a financial standpoint, again, everybody has health insurance. This is like the premium level that would be locked in for life. It's vested and whatnot. So, but I always feel like that shouldn't be a consideration. Like, I understand that people make money. I understand that people use their money in different ways. This to me feels like a team should do it because if you consider yourself the family group that you do, if you sit there and say that we have our guys back, we take our guys' uh, opinions in and we hear from them and we, we do all of the things to back them whenever we can, this feels like a situation where some team should be able to find a spot. Now, Joshi, is there conflicting information out there about how long he has to be on the roster? Does he have to be on it for the rest of the season? I'm, I haven't found that anywhere. I, I'm struggle, struggling finding really anything about the exact amount of time he needs to play. Uh, I do want to be as delicate as possible here because I think it would be nice and I think it would be great for somebody, but I simply can't remove the $53 million career earnings from this picture, especially when you just look at the world as a whole and what many families are struggling from. So I understand, and I think of NBA players, Tony Snell is not uh, a Giannis, a Dame, Mm -hmm. or even a Chris Middleton. He's not that type of level, but I have a hard time... like pounding the table for something I think would be nice when the Snell family has financial advantages uh, to the 1%, to put it in terms. Very few people have the advantages he has from his career, and he's earned all $53 million that he's he's played for because he was an NBA player. He played on some very good teams. It's just hard for me to remove that. When you think of the people listening in the daily lives they live. Let me ask you a question, though. Would it be a black eye on the league if they don't sign him, if somebody doesn't sign him? Will that be something that people kind of just remember? Or will it sort of fade into oblivion like everything else because of the 24-hour news cycle? Yeah, I think... It'll fade. Yeah, I think it fades. Uh, Just because Tony Snell hasn't really... performance-wise made an impact or likely won't, but, like, I mean, there's teams out there that everyone know are tanking in the NBA, and they have roster spots that are kind of just there, but if you're doing that, you're also taking away somebody else's possible vested time. Is there somebody else along the line who is now going to lose uh, some of the advantage or be out of the league because of that? Like, you have to factor all that in that for him to have a job, somebody else has to not have a job. Unless the Celtics go Rudy and go into the head coach's office with their jerseys and say... (laughs) This is for Rudy. This is for Tony. He should take my spot. <laughs> yeah, I, kinda, I mean, it would make a good movie, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, guys, there is an element of Tony Snell's story that would make a great movie. It, I told he's you guys likable. I, well, he's incredibly likable. His teammates have always liked him. But I told you that last year at Special Olympics, when I was in Berlin, Tony Snell was an ambassador for Special Olympics. Why? Because at the age of 31, he was diagnosed with autism because his son was exhibiting some of those autism uh, behaviors. And he thought, you know, I was doing that when I was a kid. I've been doing that. I'm kind of a loner. And some of the other things, not to say that those are specifically implicitly about the autism spectrum, but for him, it kind of like set off a light bulb and he went and got tested and was diagnosed at the age of 31. And so he and his wife and his kids spent 
uh, several days in Berlin with us last year. He was meeting athletes. He was talking to athletes. He was telling them about his autism diagnosis. And you know what it did, guys? It made them feel even more special than they already feel at Special Olympics. Because here is an NBA athlete, a guy who has made it to the peak of his profession, right? Who is just like them. Mm -hmm. And I just can't even like express how important that was, what an impact it had, and how valuable it was to have Tony Snell as a part of the Special Olympics community. I don't know how this will shake out. I know how I hope it shakes out, but I'm also sensitive to the points that you guys are making about precedent and his lifelong earnings and all of these other things. It would just be a nice feel-good story in our sports space, so that's why I'm rooting for it. All right, time to take a break here on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy, but we roll on and wrap up the show right after this. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. I'm telling you, don't doubt his story because he heebie-jeebies at certain times to miss field goals. Yeah. Gabe, I showed you how he does the heebie-jeebies, The heebie-jeebie, right? heebie-jeebie, heebie You take heebie your jeebie. fingers and you rub them back and forth on your thigh and you go heebie-jeebie, heebie-jeebie. Swear the guy bats 100%. <laughs> so to call him a liar... And he puts a curse on you? Look, Stupid. I'm not calling him a liar. <laughs> yeah, you are. On 94.5 ESPN. Your next hangout spot is found right in Waukesha. The Q Club of Wisconsin is the perfect place to catch a game, play some games, and grab a drink. Bocce courts, dart boards, foosball tables, and of course, pool tables. Ten of them. Plus, the Q Club of Wisconsin has its best fish fries on Wednesdays and Fridays, and you know they just pile it high. Check out the live music Saturday and stop in for brunch every weekend starting at 9 a.m. It's all happening at the Q Club of Wisconsin on North Grandview Boulevard in Waukesha. Visit QClubWI.com or like them on Facebook. We put it on the Jen Gabe and Chewy Twitter poll this morning. Are the Milwaukee Brewers in a rebuild? 69% of people. Nice. Thank you. Said yes, totally. Totally in a rebuild. There is a lot of reaction to this. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Definitely in rebuild mode. Ian Wing and saying they are giving away players at this point. But Todd saying, are the Brewers ever not in a rebuild? Chew your reaction to that. And maybe rebuild is not exactly the phraseology that we would use there, but it does always feel like, yeah, they're tinkering and the lineup isn't what you want it to be, but they'll make the best with it. You know, they'll make do with it type of thing. I wouldn't say the last couple of years have been rebuilds. It's just, it's kind of been a little off balance where the pitching staff, like I said earlier, was probably one of the best in all of Major League Baseball, but, uh, you know, the field and the lineup, wasn't as strong so now i don't know what the strength of this team is is there a strength are they are they balanced now with the loss of the two players i don't know but i'm fine with a rebuild that's just what has to happen every now and then can't be relevant every year and Baseball's not fair, so we just have to kind of live with it. We also asked people if the Brewers have overperformed or underperformed these past four seasons. Go ahead, Josh. I'll get to the results in a second. I would say their strength is their bullpen, as it's been. They have some guys out there you're pretty confident in, and then the other strength is depth. There's a lot of young players okay. and a lot of players that you think and you hope can probably uh, perform to a level that, if you piece it all together, will make you a pretty decent baseball team. 
56% of people saying they overperformed over the last four seasons. 44% of people saying underperformed. It is pretty split. Steve saying underperformed. The hitters have underperformed. Ownership has really underperformed. But Sean weighing in saying, can't it be both? It seems like every year, not much is expected of the team. Then they play well all season, make the playoffs, only to quietly bow out in the first round. They're like the Herb Cole Bucks back in the day. And I think that's where it's an interesting question because depending on what your standard is, depending on what you expect from the Milwaukee Brewers every season, will definitely dictate which side of the fence you're on. If you're sitting here saying, no, you're a Major League Baseball franchise, you need to be able to compete with all of the teams out there regardless of the money situations, then yes, you feel like they've underperformed because they haven't made a deep playoff run and they haven't gotten to the World Series or won a World Series. But if you understand some of the stipulations and the challenges that the organization faces and just getting to the postseason is a success, then you feel like they've overperformed. I'd go with both, Jen. I'd say they overperformed in the regular season and underperformed in the playoffs. That's fair. That's a fair way of looking at it as well. Most importantly, though, Chu, we asked, if one of these were to exist, which do you think is most likely? The Jackalope, the Loch Ness Monster, or Sasquatch slash Bigfoot? 44% of people are saying they think that Sasquatch or Bigfoot is most likely to exist. Your jackalope is uh, pulling up the rear with 28% of the vote. So we don't believe Tony, the truck driver? (laughs) Randy, the dump truck driver. We do not. So close. We do not believe his story. Is uh, it because he thought the capital of Kentucky was Louisville? (laughs) Well, that could be part of it. And also, probably more importantly, he said that the three of us were the smartest people he knows. Yeah. <laughs> and right there, we should have known. I we were will recuse myself into- <laughs> from that list voluntarily, okay? <laughs> Happy to join you on that side of the ledger, buddy. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Will the and Tasha's next on ESPN Milwaukee. Have a great Groundhog's Day.